Their goal is to bring you a podcast that sounds more like everyone else than anyone else. We need to accept the fact that we are like every other podcast. We want to be special, but we're not quite there yet. It's the Xenial Odyssey podcast with Remy and Bobby Rocks. So yeah, it's a day. How's your day? Uh, you know, it's it's been I've been with you since early early today since noon. Um, but it's good, man. We get to, regardless of how things go, whether complicated or not. Me and Bob are kind of each other's soundboard in a lot of ways. So even like before we do the show, we'll usually go for a little ride. We'll get some breakfast, shoot the shit. So it's been a good day, man. You know, we, we had a little flub, a couple flubs, but um, but I'm doing well, man. I'm glad to be here. How about yourself? Well, I'm officially uh, in my 40s now. I know I've been saying I'm in my 40s. I'm in my officially in my 40s now. Yeah, sorry it I missed your birthday. I'm terrible with that shit. It feels buddy. the same as every other birthday. It's, it feels the same as every other fucking thing. So it's uh, it's just another birthday to me. Yeah, I'll be honest. My experience in my 40s has been really, really kind of enjoyable. And, and let me explain that a little bit. Because, yeah, you won't feel different at 40. At 43, 44, you start feeling it a little bit. But there also comes a real lack of any of the ego from your 20s and 30s. So there's a certain sense of freedom. There's a certain um, not giving a fuckness to it that I think is refreshing. But it's also exhausting. So welcome to it. I'm sorry you're here. Whatever. So while we're here on the podcast, what are we here to talk about today? Well, um, you lob it off because you had a couple of really interesting things. I wanted to mention something that unfolded in the news this week just because um. It's really kind of interesting and dark, but I think you wanted to tackle um, the influence of the films UHF and Pump Up the Volume and their significance on even what we're doing here right now. That is very correct, Remy. So for anybody who doesn't have any idea what we're talking about, we'll start with UHF. UHF, because both movies came out in 1989, I believe. Yeah. Which is fantastic, by the way. Falling, yeah, was, falling of the Berlin Wall. Grunge music being birthed into the country. That's right. And then Weird Al teams up with a bunch of producers. I don't know who the fuck they are. But anyway, 1989, Weird Al Yankovic teams up. They pitch this great idea for an episode, not an episode, a movie called UHF. For anyone who doesn't know what UHF is, it's for ultra high frequency. It came out in, I believe, the late 70s, early 80s. And it was to, it's basically what all broadcast television is on now. They just knew that they couldn't put it out and then put everything else on it. Yeah. So they did what the, they always do when they put public access cable on it and the magic that uh, exists on public access. Yeah, well, talk media, about talk about TV. that a little, please, because, like, you know, we came up as, as kids and teenagers in the 90s, and um, holy fuck was public access a huge part of our lives, depending on what cable system and where you lived. So what was cable, what was cable access television for people who have no fucking clue? If you grew up in a small town, even a city, yeah. that's where you would... They would have their own station mm -hmm. be up in the 60s or whatever. Yep. And it would be like the current events of the town. Town selectmen meetings would be broadcast there. High school plays. Plays. I mean, yeah. Looking, literally using it to fill hours of broadcast time that they were getting anyway. But then somebody like me and Bob, right? We can hit the, up the school and the public, like where they provide the show and the recording stuff and say, listen, me and Bob have an idea for a show called the Spooky Fun Time Hour, where we talk about horror movies. 
And if we pay the fee to borrow the camera in the studio, bam, you have a public access show. And, and what's remarkable about it is, so it was interspersed between regular TV, but if it wasn't really regulated. So fucking weird shit went on on public access television. It was the Wild West. Ah, nice. Yeah. And so similarly, now let's jump it to Pump Up the Volume. Pump Up the Volume was a 1989 movie starring Christian Slater. He essentially had a pirate radio station. For anybody who doesn't know what exactly that is, it basically means... We're aging ourselves in this episode. No, it's fine. It yeah. basically means they did not have an FCC call letter or whatever that equivalent is overseas. Mm -hmm. So you're not licensed to broadcast. You're doing it illegally if they find you. They will fine you or press charges yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it's usually generally a pretty hefty fine yeah. too, yeah. The, the reason it's called pirate radio, by the way, is because number one, in post-World War II UK, actual pirates would use the broadcast towers that were out in the ocean. They, yeah. would, just, they would just literally drive their boats up to it and analog plug in oh. and they would communicate with one another and then it leads to shows it leads to radio shows and all that there is a movie and i forget the name of it it came out about 15 years ago where it was just about pirate radio out in the ocean i remember in the ocean yeah and paul giamatti yes yep. that i that idea translates here to pump up the volume he's a high schooler he goes by the the handle harry hard on and Dude. he just broadcasts on weeknights and it, plays yeah. very avant-garde, under-the-radar indie music of all kinds. And then he has people call in. One of the people who calls in says they're suicidal. He's very dismissive of it, and they kill themselves. And then everyone starts to look for him while the teenagers start to really kind of... Yeah, he becomes a revolutionary on. of sorts. And, and, you know, I have to say, for people who weren't there for it, there were iconic movies that you saw and were like, okay, this just influenced my life of how I want to be. I imagine, you know, as a young kid, the, the power fantasy of like, Hey, you live in the suburbs, your parents are divorcing. Everything fucking sucks. You get bullied at school because maybe you're marginally a little bit different. Pump of the volume was this dude being like, accept your weirdness, embrace your weirdness. Here's some crazy, like public enemy music, like shit that you wouldn't necessarily have access to. And it was, you know, I said to Bob when he brought up wanting to do this episode, Oh, so we both know that we wouldn't have ended up on the old Where You Been radio show, and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the influence that Pump Up the Volume had. During season one and two, everything always comes back to Where You Been. I think rightfully so. I'm not going to apologize for that. That's our grandfather. But basically, those are going to be the two major segments that we have for the show today. We're going to do an entire segment on UHF. We'll give a summary of the movie. We'll kind of say our highlights, lowlights, the kind of things that were revolutionary, the satire, that was really spot on sat. It's funny because it's true type of moment. Very airplane Jerry Brucker, like whatever their names were. And we'll do the we'll do the exact same thing for Pump Up the Volume, which starring Kristen Slater. And we will ultimately tie it all into while those two were the Wild West, we've said it before on the punk rock episode, podcasts are the Wild West right yeah. now. It provides us that opportunity and that freedom to truly have control over what we are putting out there to you guys who listen. So um, pump up the volume, grab yourself a snack, and we will be back.
Okay, so we'll start with UHF. Yeah, yeah, I think so, you know, and let, let me start even just asking you, though, before we even jump into this. So what made you decide that, that you wanted to um, talk about these things? First and foremost, what made me decide I wanted to talk about UHF was that you brought up the new satirical biopic of Weird Al Yankovic, mm -hmm. which Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter, stars as Weird Al. Yeah. So naturally, that makes me want to go back to something like UHF. Yeah, it was. The, you, you can see, we, I'm telling you, watch the weird back-to-back -back with UHF. You can see that they're just cut from the exact same fabric. It's, it's, it's awesome. So we have UHF. It was directed by Jay Levy. It was written by Weird Al and Jay Levy. Nice. It starred Weird Al Yankovic, Kevin McCarthy, Michael Richards, David Bowie. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. David Bow. I think it's David Bowie. Ah, oh, damn it. You'd know. Yeah. And circle back for people who may not know who's Michael. Michael Richards is the name that stands out from the film. Um, why is that? Cosmo Kramer. Yeah, he from is. From Seinfeld. And, you know, unfortunately. 1980, um, the late 1980s. So he, people don't realize, he got his start on Second City. Second City, yeah. He was, for people who don't know what Second City is, it was, it was basically the Toronto, Canada version of SNL. They did very well. They had a lot of great cast members. They had Eugene Levy. They had... Jane. Didn't they have Jane Curtin first? Yep. They had John Candy. I yeah. Mean, Dan Aykroyd. That's what Dan Aykroyd was on before he made it to, to, SNL. to SNL, I believe. Yeah, because he wasn't in the first... He was in the second of the first gang. And then Michael Richards went to... The what? Groundlings? He might have, but I'm thinking of the TV show that he was on. I, I brought it up to you before. The iconic... He was on it with um, Andy Kaufman, and there was the iconic moment... Taxi. Where, no. It, it's, it was a it's like a sketch comedy show. Wow. I want to say laughing, but it's not laughing. They were, they were trying to compete with SNL. So anyway, the iconic scene is that he goes, com Andy Kaufman goes completely off script. Oh, it was called Fridays, I think. Yes, 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 it was. And Mike, Michael Richards goes and gets the cards, the cue cards. Yeah. And he like puts, he's like shoving them in Andy Kaufman's face. Andy Kaufman's going on diatribes and he breaks them over Andy Kaufman's head. They cut to a commercial break and they come back like, oh yeah, it was all planned. Oh yeah, we're so funny. No, Kaufman was difficult. Oh yeah, yeah. He was difficult in his genius. Yeah. Of course, yeah. So then Michael Richards kind of has a lull as far as the mainstream goes before Seinfeld. Well, you know what's interesting? And he doesn't, though. And that's what I wanted to point out is he was a character actor, and we just, because he wasn't in AAA stuff, we were missing the little things he was in. Well, he had, well uh, thanks for jumping the gun, because I was going to say he did movies like UHF and Problem Child, and this built up. These were the things he did directly for, before he joined the cast of Seinfeld. Fair play. Yeah. He was building momentum after like a, like a dip from the line. I'm just saying, like, you go from that kind of iconic moment to then... Seinfeld, what, what were you doing in between? Yeah. Stuff that people don't really know about or don't focus on, and then the momentum built with UHF and with Prop Child. Yeah. No, and his performance, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll skip talking about his fall from, from grace because it doesn't really fit here. But, yeah, his performance is like the just the goofy. He basically, okay. A simple man. Yeah, I was going to say, think of Simple Jack. He Kramer kind of goes full tard, but it's very, very comical and, and cartoonish. Yeah, for anybody who's followed Mike Richards for his entire career, if you watched, it doesn't matter what you've seen him in, he has a very unique style, and that is his style. It plays out to varying degrees as far as like how full bore he goes. And I truly believe with a movie like UHF, where there was, it was very, it's a very satirical and tongue in cheek movie. They looked at his character and were like, you get carte blanche. You bring, you bring as much to this as you want to, and he sure as shit did. Yeah, no, and, and you know what's interesting is because for me, I, I wasn't, like you said, there was a law, and I wasn't familiar with who he was when I saw UHF, um, but I knew that when I saw Seinfeld, I was like, oh my God, that's the janitor. So it's interesting how the roots get planted in pop culture. 
because yeah. I paid more attention to Seinfeld initially because, oh, yeah, this is a great cast. I know these people. So, But now let's talk about the main character, Weird Al Yankovic. Of course. First off, Weird Al Yankovic made a career, won Grammys off of parroting pop culture music. His famous works, Eat It, Like a Surgeon, uh, Rocky Road. Another one rides the bus. R- Ricky. Ricky, which is the uh, spoof of I Love Lucy. My Bologna. Yep. Lasagna. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, that's set to La Bamba. Yeah, yeah, no. So, yeah. It's, and, and, you know, me and Bob a couple of times have talked about Dr. Demento on this. And Demento, who's played by Rain right. Wilson. Yeah, I was going to say. And talk about perfect film. casting. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, but Could anybody else have played Dr. Demento um, who, as well? No, I don't. Th- I don't think so. No, I think it was. It was. I think everybody cast in that film is perfect. But I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But so UHF guys, if you're wondering, kind of the angle, kind of anthology esque, but not literally, because it flicks from different shows. There's a lot of really impulsive, quick bits. But it's essentially like being a kid in the '90s, hyped up on candy and flipping through the TV. That's what UHF plays like. Should we just give the plot the the, the yeah? Give him the, the give him okay. the synopsis. All right. So Weird Al and then one and his best friend. Basically, they they go job to job, and Weird Al basically gets them fired from most jobs. And they're down and out, and his girlfriend's kind of mad at him because he doesn't have a job, and he he can play it off with comedy and and emotions. So he goes to a dinner party with his aunt, and his aunt is married to basically a guy who gets rich off of, you know, the bookies, the horses, the horse races, and everything. And he's playing a poker game, and somebody can't pay him. Somebody somebody can't pay him, so they give him the deed to a UHF station number 62, channel 62. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a fledgling station. It's terrible. It's like, but he was like, ah, oh, whatever. And then his aunt, Weird Al's aunt, is basically like, hey, why don't you have him, him and his friend run it? And they go, okay. So then they go to the station. There's like this mad scientist guy who lives there. Of course. Yeah. There is the receptionist who it wants to be an on-air journalist who is played by the nanny. She was in the name. Oh, of course, Fran Drescher. There you go. Yeah, played, but most people see. Most people don't know Fran Drescher. She that was, was like, a great character. Actor, yeah, comedian she was, too. She was fantastic. And she was fantastic in tap. that. She was fantastic in that. She's and fantastic in all those eighties cameos she did. So they they start and Weird Al is uh, he's trying to form a professional relationship with Channel Eight, which is like the regular broadcast yeah, news. Yeah, more respected. And that's David Bow. David Bow plays the villain. He's the head of it. I mean, he's ter- just a deplorable, terrible human being. Almost like a cliche of a bad guy. Yeah. So he just sues them as whatever. They're fledgling along. He thinks that the station's gonna run out of money, get kicked off. He wants to go get like literally go get drunk. Very eighties, right? Like we're gonna lose the rec center. Yeah. Very like that basic plot. So they just give Mike Richards, who's the janitor. He was the janitor at twelve uh, Channel Eight. They basically fire him because they blame something on him that even wasn't his fault. He runs into Weird Al. Weird Al hires him, and he's the janitor, and they just say, hey, just go fill some airtime with a kid show. And they go to this bar, and like, lo lo and behold, Mike Richards is Mike Richards. And like, it's the kids on there are loving it, and the adults in the bar are watching this, and they think it's phenomenal. And so from there, they start to build other shows. It's a little cult, kind of a cult Uh, story. Yeah, and it's just like, they they reach out to people who watch the local access for their own shows. It was the guy who did the uh, animal show from his apartment, and it's all exotic pets. That's where they get what is it? Um, beavers or uh, raccoons? Yeah, we don't we don't need no stinking raccoon or whatever. Because he li- basically at, at one point he's like, well, I gotta keep I gotta keep the show going, so I gotta keep having exotic pets dropped off into my house. I think that for, you know, and for people who may not understand, very airplane humor. Very like yeah. the punchlines are there immediately. It, it's corny, but it's comfort food. Like it knows what it is. It's satirizing itself because that's what he does. And so you know, it knows it's dumb. And it's having fun with the fact that it's yeah. dumb, but like, it's also smarter than people would give the credit for. For example, uh, they the 
commercials than like things I they love, did. That's some of my favorite. That's bits the best in stuff. It. So they created their own commercials to kind of like they couldn't afford the commercials, putting advertising on there at first. So they're creating their own commercials, and it's for movies like I I mentioned to Remy earlier, uh, Conan the Librarian. Yeah, is that uh, Gandhi? Is Gandhi too from that? Yeah, and too? Gandhi too, and yeah. he's like a wicked warlord. Yeah, yeah, and you got to understand these things play catch out it, like catch tra- bullets in his mouth yeah um, like real trailers in the in the movie you're watching so you know and, it's it's just it's, and then on top of that we're pretty much all the music is weird al just spoofing random things just for like 30 second bits yeah it's weird al parodying the main radio of the day just so it would like kept down the budget of the movie I mean, yeah and so you know long story short yes because it's an 80s movie because it follows a normal pattern it has to the uncle who owns the station gets into $75,000 of debt channel 8's going to buy it out because now channel 62 is competition to them so he just wants to buy them out and bulldozer them they got to raise $75,000 by doing a That's telethon the rec center thing yep so they every ra- 80s movies have it. so they're on their way to raising it and then channel 8 kidnaps kidnaps Mike Richards do what you have to do and Weird Al starts to kind of game plan how he's going to save them yeah and so it, that goes to one of the iconic um, parodying scenes in the film. The film opens, by the way, with par- uh, parodying uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And this one parodies like Rambo, Rambo 3. Dude. I think, the, I think it's Rambo 3. Even Rambo like 2. the fake muscles they give him look so good in it. Oh, yeah. Like just a weird bodysuit. But um, but yeah, and I, I even think that like, you know, rewatching it recently, I was like, I'm almost wondering if the Anchorman... The, the Anchorman team kind of has a secret love for this movie. It had to, well, they have to. Because it just has the same sort of feel and the same sort of mockery of, like, cable access and television news. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a great film, and it's better than it has any right to be. And for anybody who's not old enough to remember the public access cable that we're talking about, even broadcast, they don't, you don't really, it's, what makes everything hit really well is because it's really spot on. Yeah. with everything they do it's low-rung entertainment you know like one show could be uh, could have been like and it was funny because me and my friends would get high and we'd check cable access all the time because you could have like a really out of touch 50 year old lady who thinks she's like 20 doing music that's cringe inducing another person and there was this one famous one that's all over youtube like this special needs kid who had like a cooking thing and at first when people found it they were really fucking mean because that's the internet but then when people figured out that it was like the purest thing it was the special needs kid making these recipes and like they were sloppy and messed up and he became kind of a thing people were just like oh this kid's awesome you'd find these gems you'd find these gems every now Mm -hmm. and then with your friends a lot of my favorite cable access shit was like a weirdly attractive big-titted goth girl and like a guy dressed as dracula talking about horror films like elvira type shit for anybody who wonders kind of if they if they're too young and they don't know kind of if they don't want a visual every halloween because i'm one of the people that will post it the spooky scary skeletons yeah that was public access that is something that was public access that somebody put on youtube and then set it to whether it was set to spooky scary skeletons it couldn't have been but and it was it was literally skeletons and that was literally like a public access in ohio Christmas time too. Public access would be crazy because yeah. there'd be people who would just run three days of Christmas cartoons back to back or yep. something. And sometimes you just hit it and be like, "Okay, I know what I'm doing for the next three days." So some people may be sitting here listening to it this episode so far and be like, "All right, but you really haven't given us any of the areas that UHF or local cable access was influential." Au contraire, now we will because, in my opinion. A lot of the cutting edge stuff that was on MTV, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network in the late 90s to mid 2000s was heavily influenced by that. That was the whole point. I'm going to, no, no, it's a great point. And I agree with you 1000%. I want to circle it back even more and drop some jaws. Listen, man, 
Whether or not people want to accept and admit this, Tim and Eric changed the face of comedy. They changed the face of comedy in a sense of like small packages. They made it a lot more surreal than Lynchian. And I know for a fact, I got really close to interviewing those guys. I should tell that story on air because wow. it's kind of funny. Yeah, Adult Swim, because I was so good with Adult Swim at that point. They were like, anyone, who do you want to talk to on our network? Anyone. Like, that's my relationship I had with them. I must have fucked somebody or something. I don't know, man. I fucked myself. And I was like, Tim and Eric, I want the, I want the two motherfuckers. Their whole shtick of awesome show, good job, was a complete satirization of what cable access TV was. The commercials, everything. Like, you can watch UHF and say, oh, so this is where Tim and Eric got it. Even b between two ferns. Yeah, another I mean, one. I mean, literally the set. No, it's the done set, like a cable access. The set screams. Black background, two bushes. Exactly. Wicker chairs. Yep. <laughs> the fake plant. And kind of a, a wicked, a smug host because yep. they can be because it wasn't monitored by anybody. Mm -hmm. And like you find weird shit. Sometimes they'd have a movie that just showed mad nudity because they didn't give a fuck. But yeah, the, my point is Tim and Eric were a huge influence on me and they're a huge influence on modern comedy and they were affected by essentially what UA Jeff was mocking. And then for as far as MTV goes, I was going to say like Syphil and Ollie. Yeah. Syphil and Ollie hugely influenced. Sock Puppet show, if people don't know, and it was just like... Sock Puppets were a thing on local. It yeah. was, it, yeah, because it's an easy things. thing to do. Yeah. Um, Syphil and Ollie was brilliant. Even Wonder Shows and had a cable access feel completely, mm -hmm. completely just giving some people a camera and letting them walk in the streets and question people. And for other people who may be being like, well, you guys are tied this originally into the punk rock episode. I think this is another example. Uh, it's either so punk. Be it UHF or just local public access television it is punk i want to get that mindset out of people punk is more than just three chords and uh leather jackets and spike it's it's yeah. a being it's and it's more and because that makes it in seclusive or that makes it um inclusive it doesn't doesn't make it inclusive. exclusive yes thank yes. you it makes it exclusive whereas punk really was inclusive yeah that's a good call it was come one come on come all but it's the same idea, right? You have 40 bucks to make a show. It's the it's so fucking punk and pirate. It is. And, you know, there was these, there is cable access shows now. Like I mentioned, that special needs kid. There's another one. These two girls, okay? I think it, like, was a show in Detroit or something. It was in the very early 90s, and they were two, like, at the time, Hot Topic girls. They're these two wicked, and I'm going to send you this footage because I want to talk about this on air, actually. I okay. should have beforehand. And they just, like, play music that they like from weird goth shit, and they play music videos that they just steal from, like, MTV. They were essentially Aubrey Plaza. You know Aubrey Plaza on Parks and Rec and how her whole shtick in her real life is kind of being... I love her. Yeah, we all do. The kind of She's really good on the new White Lotus season, by the way. But it's just these two girls are just like, and guys call in, and because cable access wasn't monitored, you know, they were like, call in and request music, and the guys on air would be like, I want to stick my tongue in your fucking asshole. And they'd like have to hang up. But they became so... <laughs> well, oopsie. Well, no, they were like, oh, but they became... They were so genuinely smug, they'd be like, oh, awesome, another fucking creep. And like, I can't explain it. Man, I ended up falling into a rabbit hole and watching like four hours of these girls. And, and Reddit found them and was like, what's up? And they were like, yeah, like that's not us anymore, but it's fun. But it was that that shows what I mean. They were swearing, showing uncensored Marilyn Manson videos. Like it, there was a real sense of gorilla video with everything cable access. So one thing about people our age is that we cry in the shower when no one's no, looking. Well, too, too bad. You already said that joke and it's already on a promo. That's know, already That's out. why I was smiling. Bob's nah. a, you're being a bitch today a I little am, bit. I am. I'm a batch. Shit. What I was going to say is that some people out there who know us about our nostalgia, but they tend to focus on the blockbuster angle of it. Yeah. This movie was far from a blockbuster. This movie was about the epitome of a flop as you can get. You saw it if your friend gave you a copy of yeah. it. Yeah. To the point where 
it honestly derailed Weird Al's career totally for at least like a year or two. Yeah, without a doubt, because it was a big investment, and that was going to be the kind of moment where it's like, oh, we're, we're breaking you into movies you're now. crossing you're, over from Yeah, them. you're going to do a bunch. And then because the people who started adored it, but the overall public was like... They despised it. Yeah, you know what, though? And that falls back to people not taking him serious. That, that was kind of his problem. He was so good at what he did, but because it was satire, people didn't realize there was an amazing musician and a funny guy behind it, you know? So you're right. It fucked him. He didn't release singles for a few years afterward, and I actually it think It was Alapalooza that, that brought him back. Yeah, and is that the one with... um? That's got Gangsta's Amish Paradise? No, 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 that's the next okay. one. Because I thought that's, that... That's the one with... um. He took Give It Away Now and turned it into... uh. Bedrock, like a yabba dabba, yabba dabba, yabba. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, he, when he um, spoofed uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. yeah, Kurt was honored. He was, I was. I remember I've, I've watched those kind of interviews where, because obviously Weird Al's team will reach out to artists and ask them if they're okay with it, regardless of what Coolio told people. Yeah, he publicly. was 100%. Yeah, he was fine with it until he realized it got bigger than his song. Yeah, well, they painted him dirty in the Weird Al movie, so it's good. Oh, okay. They, there's a little moment. May he rest in peace, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. another icon, you know, and I can understand, like, being, okay, you're a rapper who has a really strong, like, like you know, that's a very anthemic song for a lot of people, Gangsta's Paradise. For Coolio, it was kind of shitty because people stopped singing his, his verse and they started singing Al's. And I don't think we're he, just technologically impaired. Yeah, I just yeah. don't think he thought it was going to be on that level. So the coolest thing he could do was be like, I didn't agree to that. Dude, you'd have billions if you didn't agree to that. Yeah. Well, now, it's like the behind the music for Weird Al, where yeah. they said, oh, yeah, you know, he may say he doesn't agree with it, but I'm sure he agrees with the paycheck he yeah, got. Yeah, his for lawyers it. agreed with it. That's all that fucking matters. But, um, you know, it, it's the theme of this episode is just gorilla, you know? And so UHF is, there was a time when, you know, I wonder if you could redo or you could update UHF with Al as like the head of a YouTube? I don't, I don't really know. I was going to, the angle I was going to go with it is that YouTube is basically the closest thing that we can get well, that's to, why the, I said it. Yeah. To, the, to the essence of yep. what public access was. Everyone can say what they want, essentially. Well, that, yep. not anymore, unfortunately, because it's really censored to a, now. To a point, and there are disclaimers that get put out there yeah. onto, episode, onto videos and everything. You can't even say the word rape on YouTube, man. Do you understand <gasps> that that's just murdering the discussion? Yeah. Okay, that's another topic for another day. No, 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 it's not. It's, it's, uh, I can tie it into The Simpsons here. I know we're going way off base, and eh. I don't really care, because that's what we do. We don't have times. home bases here. Yeah, because the episode where the, uh, what is it, Bart discovers the comet, and then they think it's going to destroy Earth, mm -hmm. but then because of all the radiation it burns in the atmosphere, into it becomes into a pebble. Yeah. And what does Moe and all the mob say? Let's go to the observatory tower and burn it down so this never happens again. I mean, that's the mindset. No, it's that's like, brilliant. Yeah. That, Simpsons always nailed that shit. Yeah, but that, but that is the mindset. If we if we censor the shit out of it, then it can't not. Which, by the way, is the complete opposite of what made everything that we've talked about thus far great. Yeah. Is that there was no censorship. And yeah, no one gave a fuck, there man. Was, there was freedom of expression. There was, free, there was the freedom to grow. That's why I love doing the fucking podcast that we're doing. Yeah. You know, we spent two seasons just fucking around and kind of throwing shit against the wall or moving blankets that are sitting next to me right yeah, now, right. helping to create this wonderful sound that we have. It's very way. rich. It's become very rich. It's very yeah. comforting. It's that in the road podcast or two that we, that we now have as a new toy. But back to the point is that that's, these are the benefits of like, Contemporary times, 30 years after a movie like UHF or even Pump Up the Volume, which we're going to talk about momentarily. Yeah. But but that's the point. It's like, you know, I have enough disposable income where I can buy all these wonderful things and I can watch YouTube to DIY a room and make it have a better sound quality, which I know we didn't for a while. You could hear the echo and the reverb. But now we've treated the room to a point. Better and, mics, everything. And we've learned more of just like not breathing in the mic and stupid yeah. little things, you know. But yeah, I think that at the heart of it, you know, I, I know that... <laughs> 
the thing that me and Bob have to be careful about doing is like acting. Ball washing. Is that, well, no, it's like acting like we're branching off into some brave new world. Like, yeah, podcasts are the Wild West. We understand the West has already been set up. We're coming to the game late. But that's the point is there's no blueprint. And that's what makes it kind of beautiful is it is very guerrilla. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we had weeks when we didn't even know what we were going to fucking talk about. We just turned it on. Now we're better. Uh, now yeah, we're, yeah, we'll now we're prepared. Uh, we, we always talk midweek and, and have a little powwow. But I know that for me, you know, the and I, I remember wanting a cable access show and just being too fucking lazy to look into it. My brother figured out when we were like 10 years old how to jerry rig. My dad's, uh, you know, old school like video recorder. Oh, shit. And he basically made uh, his own shows. Well, he tried to, and then his ADD would kick in. So he'd make like one segment of yeah, a show. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but he, my favorite is because it was actually pretty good and was pretty well done for like a like a ten year old. Was hockey TV, and what he'd do is he would he would record, he would watch a hockey game, and he would take he would take a part of it, and then just basically make his own sports segment. Nice. And he would see. I remember the one that sticks out in my head is he said it to Enter Sandman, which is when, when Enter Sandman was huge. Yeah. And and it's like, wow, a twelve year old or a ten year old or whatever did that. Oh, I hope no one sees the copyright. <laughs> like, yeah, I know, right? Now you get sued. <laughs> oh yeah. But you know, me and Bob are super influenced by guerrilla shit of just the idea of kind of going in from the bottom and figuring it out. You know, and that is a perfect parlay into. Last thing we'll talk about this before we go into the next segment. Yeah, we're not trying to recreate the wheel with making pod, a podcast here. We're just trying to fit into the medium and make our own unique blueprint, our own little footprint on it. And we want you guys to come along with us to help create that unique footprint. So we're going to stick with 1989, and we are going to go to another film, a different area of that Wild West that we love to talk about during the 80s, punk rock, of more than just DIY music. We're going to talk about Pump Up the Volume. So Kristen Slater, he grew up. So the character Kristen Slater plays is living in Tucson, Arizona. Mm -hmm. He's like a junior, senior in high school. His parents and him originally lived in New York City, and he hates it. He hates the move from New York City. Not a big fan. Yeah. So what he does is at night, so to appease him, his boomer parents basically bought his affection mm -hmm. and they bought him at the time, which probably was like thousands of yeah, dollars. Yeah, $10,000 dollar fucking studio. Yeah, yeah, which was in his in his like bedroom that was probably like 20 by 20 feet or something right. like that. Something insane. And anyway, he creates this handle, Harry Hardon, and he puts on like a vocal distortion effect, makes his voice sound deeper or whatever. So it hides who he is. Pitch modulator. He even has a, like a, P, a random P.O. box that people can send mail to so they don't send it to his home. Yeah. And he's just this quiet loner and nobody knows who he is because he's a new kid in town or whatever. But a lot of people listen to the 
Harry Hard on show. He plays a lot of like that avant garde music. He plays like Paul's Boutique, yeah, Beastie Deep Boys, cut Beasties and shit. Yeah, he's playing Leonard Cohen. He's playing all these badass things, and he talks about that too. But it's about being a teenager, just growing, growing up about it, and and being disenfranchised without having he, to be, you know, like grown up punched in the face or necessarily it's straight up and abused. Being very, very pissed off about just yeah, yeah, it's that, that existence. You know, we like we talk about Fight Club and Pump Up the Volume is that same idea is that we're very pissed off and we don't have a voice, you know? So in the film, Christian Slater's character essentially is like, you got to understand too where me and Bob were. We were around the character's age. He was way fucking cooler than us, way better looking. Oh, absolutely. The thing about young Christian Slater was he did his best, and, and Bob had said this in the car, and I'm going to steal it, but Bob said it. You, um, I'll let you go. I give you credit for it. Yeah. Um, but, he, you know, it's James Dean mixed with Jack Nicholson, for those who 100%. don't know. So he's brooding. He's looking at you under his eyes. He's not looking at you straight, but the head's down. And the way he talks is kind of like he's Jack. Jack Nic- when he yeah, talks. Yeah, he's just like, he's got an interesting delivery. And, it's and you know, some people thought it was derivative, but it fucking worked for us. Imagine the character the character's brain from rebel without a cause in rp mcmurphy from one flew over the cuckoo's nest yeah and that's christian slater yeah in the 80s yeah, you know, good-looking kid, kind of edgy. And the whole thing is he doesn't fit into his town, but this alter ego is getting larger than him. Yep. You know, And, and so he's got to keep it going. He's got to keep it going because yep. once you create a monster, man. So the FCC, again, for anyone who doesn't remember, we said at the beginning it's a pirate radio station because he doesn't have any FCC call letters. He doesn't have that licensing agreement. and Therefore, no one's censoring or monitoring yeah, what no he's doing. No one's censoring. No one's monitoring. And the FCC is aware, but the, it's kind of like whatever. He's a kid. What, is, what can yeah. he do? Yeah, until, because he takes phone calls, he can take phone calls, until he takes a phone call That's rough. about a kid who is uh, saying that he is suicidal. And he's very dismissive yeah, of it. Yeah, and instead of being the guy who's like, yo, he was like, oh, you're just a pussy or a weakling kind of, that whole yep. angle, which was very 80s and 90s, by mm-hmm. the way. And what happens, lo and behold, the next day finds out the kid kills himself. Repercussions. So naturally, the FCC and the local law enforcement are no longer like, like, fuck oh, this kid. And his fellow classmates are starting to figure out like who he is. And he there is a part of him that's like, I need to like stop. Doing yeah, I need this. to kill Harry. Yeah. And he thinks about it. And that is a great scene, by the way, where he puts on If It Be Your Will by Leonard Cohen. Yeah. And it's just he doesn't say anything. He's just he just fucking, puts that. You can song tell he's on, thinking it. And he's literally he's pacing around in the room and then he yeah. just cuts it off. And he, and he basically says, no, fuck that. Fuck that. I was wrong. And then and then a girl calls in and she said she was raped. And he he does the 180. Yeah, yeah. He knows he, now he has a power that can actually benefit yeah. people. You and know, he, and he literally is like, you need to like. It was almost like I'm not, and I'm not quoting him here, but you that, need to take care of this and yeah, hold the people like, accountable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes. you're not alone. And no, it's great. And I think that that was a real strong message for a lot of people who felt alienated at the time. But there's also you got to forget that there was a real um, anachronistic, almost Joker aspect to him. Yeah. Because I know that there's this one lady whose parents are like rich politicians, and he essentially is like, reject everything, put utensils in the microwave. I remember and they this, do. And they do it and like blow up their kitchen. And I remember as a kid being like, I see that now as an act of terrorism, and I understand it's it's terrifying, but at the time, it's holy very fuck. liberating. Yeah, those are those moments when you're like, wait a minute. You're telling me I could potentially do something where I could have a voice. That's part one. That voice could affect people to do things. Like, and now keep in mind, there wasn't a lot of blow up your house shit. That was just like toward her and she needed to like do an act of rebellion to let her parents know that she wasn't into it. But yeah, it was just very punk rock, very guerrilla, very grassroots. 
Um, it gets bigger toward the end. It, it gets bigger than what the story is initially. Yeah, because he gets his following becomes massive. Yeah, he becomes basic. He goes viral at, before that was a thing. Yeah, at the same time, his popularity is skyrocketing. The pressure to find him and arrest him is equally becoming that to the point where the the movie culminates with the local law enforcement closing in on him and they basically jerry-rig a jeep and he's traveling around like because they, they can track his signal where it's coming yeah. from and he's basically traveling traveling around in a jeep while he's broadcasting he's basically like we're gonna all meet up or whatever and he, he basically he exposes himself he allows himself to get arrested but he does tell because like hundreds of people went to this meeting place yeah. and he basically tells them like no the, like the whole time you're the ones with the power yeah i was the vo i was your voice yeah and then the movie ends with a lot of uh voiceover of people creating their own pirate radio stations yeah he gets he held accountable which is very good that, which is very realistic yeah and you know he essentially let a lot of people know they had a voice and, and you know when bob like i said I, i'm sorry i said this sorry if i'm saying it again but when bob talked about doing this episode i was like yeah that that film again I knew I wanted to do radio after that. I just knew. What, now, did I think I'd be able to do guerrilla? No, but we kind of did fucking do guerrilla radio, essentially. When we were on Where That's You That's what college absolutely. radio was, bro. Watching Pump Up the Volume also opened me up so that when college radio became a thing in the 90s and the music was awesome and there were, like, DJs would talk to people who called in. Like I almost, did. Yeah, I almost wonder, did he set the tone for the 90s with his performance as that character a little bit? Oh, there's no doubt in my mind that even if you listen to mainstream DJs on it radio still shows, does it. Harry, the Harry Hard-On effect was real. Yeah, like Howard Stern. Howard Stern, you know what I'm saying? Like, think about that example. It was, well, uh, I would I would say equally, because I, I would say Opie and Anthony was influenced by Howard Stern, but they there was also a Harry Hard-On yeah. in, influence to, to uh, Opie and Anthony. And because I think Opie and Anthony are the closest any other on-air personalities have come to that. but they just took it too far and that's yeah. what limited their popularity and that was his fear in the movie too i think was like oh i can't keep this character up i think that's why for him you see at the end that getting caught isn't necessarily a bad thing for him because he can finally catch his fucking breath yeah it's it's something we i, I mean <laughs> i'm i haven't experienced it i experienced it in with the job that we both oh, yeah, had so did I. as the, as my caricature bobby rocks because at one point you're like okay where do I end and where does yeah, he start and vice versa? And is like for me, is the Bobby Rocks caricature taking over? Yeah, is the right one winning? No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what we all would say at the, after that gig for a while. It's yeah, like, you know, exactly. I think that the devil on my shoulder is getting louder, so it's time to go. But I just know that that, you know, that film it allowed me to think bigger too. I, that was another thing is like, oh man, so my weird thoughts, maybe someday people would want to hear them. And I became a writer and that's, I'm sorry, the way I used to write, Bob, wouldn't you compare it to radio? How yes. candid my voice was. Yes. And, and it wasn't even something intentional. It was just how it worked. But like you could read my articles and it almost had an, a radio energy to it. I'm not, I don't want us to go completely into this stuff, but there's so many, there's like several things that I think of when we do this podcast. Yeah. I think of the DIY movement of the punk rock. That's why I wanted to do an episode on that of, of the eighties. Like yeah. where literally these musicians were there. They were the songwriters. They were the producers. They were the distributors. They were they the were, roadies. They were the everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to be. They had a van. Every band had a van because you had to do your own promo. And then we have two movies here which show it with broadcast television and with pirate radio that were kind of offshoots of that. And then for people like us in our, as we were in our 20s, you have social media. You have YouTube. You have, go you have all these things that where, it, where it offshoots too. And now we have podcasts. Yo, man, I just got hit with something. Um, we are going to send a copy of this, probably just DMs, to Mr. Slater. 
It's kind of weird when you bring that up. Are we going to send him with like dick pics or something? <laughs> Bobby, don't take the power of this moment away. Okay, go. We're going to send the copy of this finished episode to Mr. Slater and Mr. Weird Al, and we're oh. going to ask him to do an episode. They probably won't respond to us. But imagine if like they, imagine Weird. if somebody along the chain is like, fuck I f- it. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, if he could get it, I feel like Weird Al would be kind enough to just be like, yeah, I'll do a radio interview with you guys for 20 oh, minutes. So awesome. But yeah. let's send it out, man, because I, I, I think that maybe people like both of them, Christian Slater and Weird Al, may not fully understand their legacy or the impact the work they did have on people and how yeah. beneficial that was for people, you know? Because Bob and I talked about Gleaming the Cube, which was a Ooh. Christian Slater skateboarding movie that led me to start skateboarding. So it's insane when you look back and start connecting the dots to realize how influential things that may have seemed uninfluential at the time really are. Yeah, I agree with that because that that's a great zeitgeist moment too because you have... How many, I mean, Tony Hawk was in it, but like, um, and uh, Mike McGill was his stunt double because that's who did the McTwist. Yeah. Uh, Let's be honest, 1988 or whatever. Like that's the only person who's doing the McTwist is Mike McGill. Yeah. But there were all of these skateboarders in it as skateboarding was becoming a phenomenon and the X Games were coming. Yeah. And that that played a big part in it. Is that a movie like Gleaming the Cube? Not just because you have Christian Slater dream, dream boat on it, but you also have the faces to the stars of of skateboarding. Yeah, yeah, no, it was that's the thing, man. He would always do these niche movies that were just the shit. Just like representing interesting subcultures, you know? And you know, let's not forget, we're talking about while we're talking about cable access and just while it seems pertinent. Remember pirate TV shows where people used to jack radio signals and come in with like Max Headroom masks on and like say weird shit. Man, I kind of miss the um wasteland of old television. Because that's what it was. It was a wasteland. I do too. You'd fight for scraps of something entertaining. Now I turn on Netflix and I'm like, and Disney Plus, I'm like, oh, cool. I'm 3,200 shows behind. It's too much entertainment now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're no longer trendsetters in a, in a world of trendsetters. I that used to only be a trendsetter. Now I'm a bedwetter listening to Ledbetter. Oh, you're you're probably you're probably really enjoying the fact I don't have a rim shot. Yeah, because that that definitely happened. Yeah, you would have stepped on that freestyle. It was I, a good freestyle. We I need to get some good sounds on this board. Hit us up, guys, and let us know what sounds we should put on our new soundboard. Absolutely. I whether, want the whether you're the seven followers we have now on the website, whether you're the 19 followers we have on Twitter, or whether you're the 73 followers. Yeah, we're approaching 100 followers via all social media. I forgot YouTube. We have a follower on YouTube. We're gonna be huge. Yeah, we're gonna keep this going, whether years. you whether you fucking like it or not. We're gonna be huge. Now, just please like it. And you know, we don't even necessarily want that. We just want to reach people, and it would be nice to have like a group of people who are we could talk to and communicate to that were fans, you know. But that's down the road, guys. The benefit of this soundboard is I could have two of you on computers. Could have you here virtually interviewing. I could have someone Bluetooth in on my phone, and I could have four people live with us in person. That's what seven people. That you guys heard it right there. We're inviting the Wu-Tang Clan, the entirety of the Wu-Tang Clan on yeah, this we're show. Yeah, gonna, we're going to have an episode titled... 37 Chambers. No, well, I was going to say XOP ain't nothing to fuck with. Okay, we yeah. both got a point for that one because yeah. 37 Chambers yeah. was pretty good too. What was what was the album? 36? Yeah. 36 Chambers? We should just make it like 43. 43 Chambers because basically the thir- the 36 that you took... Or I see what you did. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I see that now. See, it took me a little while because my mind was going too hard on my own ego. Yeah, and um, you wanted to get a funnier comment, and then when you heard it, it was good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like uh, mid lame duck joke, I was like, "Listen, let, let me well give played. let me give these people a backup." Okay, so today started things. Things have been a little bit hectic, and then Bob did get a call from his job, which 
bucks him up, understandably, and it threw him off. So he's, he's you couldn't tell by listing, but he's been a little off. Like, if you go back through and listen, you'll hear him. He's a little slippy today, but that's okay. You know what I'm saying? He had he does all this shit with the sh- like every week I come, right? This is not even bullshit. And Bob will have like a new mixing board. And then I'll come again, he'll have even better headphones the next week. Then I'll come in, he has new mics. Then I come in, he has sound damp. So like Bob puts in a fuck ton of work. And today, I think Bob was a little burnt out. But he loves you guys, and that's why we still did this no matter what. And this I was is- burnt out too. We had to run around and whatever. And so I understand. This is on top of uh, all the editing I do. And well, it's mm-hmm. on top of being married and having a full-time job. Like, it's, it's everything. So, yeah, B- Bob's a beast. Bob's a beast. I give him credit. Well, I think at this point it's fair to say that I put more effort into this than I do my work. Yeah, you're obsessed, but I love it because the work, it, 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 you can hear the growth. And I was going to say, who, who, like, what's, what's the harm in that? I'm obsessed with it, so it's only going to make this better. Yeah, you're allowed to enjoy something. You're allowed to have a passion. Regardless of what boomers told us. Yeah, I know, for yeah. real, right? You're wasting your time. It's so funny, too, because I got people who are start, who around me now starting to be like, I think I want to do a podcast. I'm like, word, that's all it is. Just do it. I have people who- it, Do it, it! It comes up randomly in conversation, and then so they'll ask me about it, and they'll be like, oh, so that's like, oh, that'd be something cool to do. I'm like, all right, fine. If you want some pointers, just let me know. Yeah. Watch YouTube. Yeah, so but Bob, honestly, man, you could probably do like a skill up class for Christ's sakes at this point. I could make, I could make some real bank doing that. That's what Pat Flynn, who uh, that's that's the first person I really watched. Yeah, that's what that's what he does. He does courses. Yeah, no, the, how to do Marquise oh. Brownlee, the same thing. There's like people who know how to do it because you got a passion for it, man. I could see you working not my, not Mike on, but Mike off with other people's podcasts, like helping oh. people fucking. Oh, that's what that's one of the things I think that I'm going to make a goal for myself for 2023 is that. I want to go on other people's podcasts, not just to hype ours, but it also would give me different angles to talk about. And yeah. the fact that I don't have to do any editing and all that is great. Right. You get to be the guest. Oh, I get to be the guest and I can just go on there and just spin it off the top of my mouth and my head. Yeah. Right, It'll happen, we, man. We're getting we, there. Do we have any closing thoughts? No. Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, uh, Bob, thanks today. You know, I understand things were a little stressful, but you fucking always put up. And tell me to shut up, and I respect that. But no, man, I feel you know. I have to say, everything in my life, from the way I wrote initially, no one, people like I didn't have nepotism. I didn't have an in when I started writing. I had to do it, gorilla. I had to write articles and send them to websites for no money. Be like, this is good enough that you guys can fucking hire me. But everything I've done in my life has been gorilla, and it's been from the ground up. I'm poor. I pull myself up by my bats, my bootstraps. So no, everything like, you know, if you guys want. A couple of good movies to watch. Check out UHF. Maybe have an edible or a couple beers before. It's one of those kind of flicks. And fucking check out Pump Up the Volume and try to not get inspired. That's kind of the point is like, it doesn't even have to be modern for you to be like, oh, this makes me want to do something. And if I had some closing thoughts, I would say that, no, number one, if you want to watch UHF, it's on Tubi right now. Tubi's free. Nice. Yep, with ads, but whatever, the commercials. Whatever, it's like, what's like watching yeah, it's something It's watching Hulu. TV. It's yeah. exactly what it is. But- also, I think as a child and as a teenager, especially pump up the volume was something that resonates extremely with me. Like, man, I wish that could be me. I wish I could do that stuff. And that's what I feel like this, the podcast has done for us. So yeah, it's yeah, done yeah. that for me too. Without a doubt. I mean, I mean, I know I talk about the, uh, the mood stabilizing medications I'm on, especially in the wintertime. When I get to come home and I get to re-listen to the, especially now that we're kind of really kind of honing it in Mm -hmm. and there's less I have to do. And I can really focus more on just listening to it. Cause what I had to do is I had to tune out what we were talking about to get the audio quality where it was. And then I had to go back and I would listen Listen to to what was being said. But now I can do them both at the same time. And that, 
is really cool. And these are things that get me through, are going to get me through the wintertime. So on that note, until the 30th episode of the season, which will be the next one, take care, everybody. Merry season. Merry season.